Hey, Bettys. Welcome to the Better Podcast. It's your host, Dr. Stephanie. It is geeky magic time where I step away from the interviews and just talk to you. It's just going to be me and you today. And these episodes, I'm going to bring you personal insights, frequently asked questions, topic du jour in a more condensed, quick, and actionable way. I go hard on the geek, wrap it up with sprinkles and magic for you to do and be better. I get a lot of questions about how to ease perimenopause and menopause symptoms. And here's a really simple answer for you. Take a good mineral supplement. Your body loses a ton of minerals as you transition through perimenopause and menopause and mineral deficiencies make a lot of the common symptoms worse. For example, if you're struggling with poor sleep, fatigue, joint pain, hot flashes, or any other side effects that are wearing you down, you might think about giving Beam Minerals a try. Their full-spectrum mineral supplement contains every single mineral that you lose during perimenopause and menopause. And there is a meaningful dose here with close to 100% bioavailability. All you have to do is take a shot of liquid every morning to replenish your mineral stores and ease the symptoms that you might be experiencing. Beam Minerals just taste like water and you'll feel the difference within a few days. Head over to beamminerals.com and use the code BETTER for 20% off. All right, all right. Welcome to Geeky Magic. Today, we are talking about the therapeutic benefits of a ketogenic diet. And I think that when this entire series we've been talking about over the course of uh, January around weight loss and how to get started, uh, we started off in the beginning. uh, And if you haven't gone back, if you haven't listened to them yet, please do so. Um, Our geeky magic in the first week of January, I was talking about how we can be mentally resilient and understand our neurobiology around failure and how that activates areas in in the brain that are associated with pleasure. Um, And then last week we were talking about detoxification and the benefits of being an optimizing detoxification, specifically around the idea of estrogen metabolism. And of course the implications that it has for excess adiposity and thyroid function. And so here we are in week three of January 22. And what I wanted to talk about today is why you want to be considering a ketogenic diet or some of its derivatives, some of the, um, uh, we'll call them mimickers of the ketogenic diet as a way to kick start your weight loss. Because as we at this point, hopefully is common knowledge, it is very important to be metabolically flexible. And this is one of the key sort of uh, hallmarks, if you will, of the ketogenic diet. And one of the things that um, I have found to be true absolutely true, particularly for women, is that one of the things that the ketogenic diet does, particularly when it's formulated appropriately. So when we are talking about, um, you know, a fe- and if it's a woman, a female centric ketogenic diet, like the Estima diet, we have profound appetite regulation and appetite suppression. So the ketogenic diet, when it's done properly, allows you to control your appetite instead of your appetite controlling you. And this is probably one of the biggest benefits. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about ketones as mitochondrial uncoupling, like the, the that they're HDAC inhibitors and they have all of these great um, uh, epigenetic, they're an epigenetic signaling molecule. And we'll get to that. But I think that from a 
like one of the things that I see commonly when someone is starting a ketogenic diet is like, there's no way I can eat this much fat. <laughs> like there's no money, there's no way that I can eat this many, these many calories, uh, let alone fat, because people feel so satiated when they are consuming a higher fat content. And of course, assuming that in, in uh, juxtaposed beside that high fat consumption is a low carbohydrate consumption. Those two things have to happen in order for that appetite regulation um, to occur. And this is, this is part of the, uh, the reason why dieting by cutting calories, right. And still eating those carbohydrates. Like if you're still consuming carbohydrates can lead people to become like neurotic about food, uh, and can put, and can produce like really disastrous, um, and damaging eating behaviors. Um, so low carb eating, even, even if it's not necessarily ketogenic can really help to attenuate a lot of the cravings, um, that we see. And it's much better for weight control, uh, in my opinion. And for a lot of women, I've talked about this. I talked about this in my book, but it's worth a mention now is that a lot of women have issues with leptin regulation insofar as we tend to be more leptin resistant. And what I mean by that is leptin is a satiety hormone. It is secreted from our adipocytes and it is picked up by the appetite regulation centers in the hypothalamus in the brain. And pound for pound, women tend to be more leptin resistant uh, in the brain than our male counterparts do. So what I mean by that is that you don't get the signal even when eating an equivalent amount of calories uh, that our male counterparts might, you know, pound for pound and when you're adjusting for body weight. Women tend to consume, overconsume calories because we are leptin resistant. That, that leptin signal that's being released from the adipocyte for whatever reason is not being picked up appropriately by these appetite regulation centers in the brain and you overconsume calories. Now, what happens when you're on a ketogenic diet and you're consuming more fat is somehow we are able to overcome some of that natural leptin resistance that happens in females. And this is where you see a lot of the, um, uh, a lot of the benefits around it is that we have this massive appetite regulation. All of a sudden, these crazy cravings that we're having for sugar or just for food in general are down-regulated because of the amount of fat that we are consuming. Now, some might argue that you know maybe with that overcoming that leptin resistance, you're still consuming less calories. And that very well may be true, you know, because I'm, and I'm not, I'm not here to argue with some of these online bullies around calories in calories out. We know that that is a factor in weight loss, but what is also equally important is hormonal regulation. And in this particular case, I'm talking about metabolic hormonal regulation and the appetite, um, appetite regulation via leptin. So that's one of the benefits, uh, particularly for women. If you're a woman who's just like constantly struggled with cravings, like you're always thinking about food. One of the ways to really kibosh that is to consume a high fat uh, diet. Um, so a, or I should, I should more accurately say a low carbohydrate, higher fat diet, because it's really those two things with each other that produce some of these fantastic results. So it doesn't necessarily need to be ketogenic per se, although that is my preference that we all work towards that as a therapeutic intervention. Um, but that seems to be one of the big 
pluses for someone being able to maintain, at least for that therapeutic window, however long you may have defined that for. So I typically like to define a therapeutic window for ketosis for a woman to be around one menstrual cycle. So around 28 or so days. Uh, and that would be true whether or not you're a woman in her menstruating years or you're a menopausal woman, I would say a minimum of 28 days. But in most cases, I actually like that cycle to be repeated two or three times so that we can have the opportunity for that metabolic flexibility, that fat adaptation um, to settle in. So that's kind of one of the big, uh, one of the big, in my opinion, uh, benefits to the ketogenic diet is the assistance and appetite regulation. The other thing um, that we see that I think is very important as well is becoming more and more important, uh, at least in what I what I'm reading is the advantages to the diversity and function of the microbiome in a ketogenic diet. So when and and I'll say that um, when I'm talking about a ketogenic diet in this particular instance, I do want to recognize that some people do very well uh, clinically with a carnivore diet where there's like no soluble fiber, which is basically the, the fuel for your intestinal bacteria. I'm not talking about carnivore per se. I'm talking more about a, a ketogenic diet that I tend to like to formulate where we're talking about like a 70%, you know, 60 to 70% fat, 20% protein, 10% carbohydrates, but all of your carbohydrates are coming from vegetables with high, uh, fiber content in them because fiber has a very important role in the microbiome. After it's been eaten, soluble fiber will break down into short chain fatty acids. So butyrate, uh, acetate, propionate, and the colonocytes, which are um, like, um, you know, the epithelial, like the cells in the colon essentially are going to use these short chain fatty acids for fuel. And as I mentioned with ketones, butyrate, which is a short chain fatty acid is also an epigenetic, uh, epigenetic regulator in the form, pardon me, in the form of a HDAC or a histone deacetylase inhibitor. And we can talk about the biochemistry and the mechanistic function of an HDAC inhibitor, but one of the, you know, one of the very positive benefits of uh, being an HDAC inhibitor is that it can upregulate longevity genes like the FOXO genes, like the class of FOXO genes that are that we see uh, upregulated in centenarians and supercentenarians. So one of the things that we can do by consuming uh, soluble fiber and in the production of these short chain fatty acids is that we can upregulate genes that are involved in longevity. And um, I've talked a lot about the value of resistant starches. These are these prebiotic fibers that are uh, very difficult to digest in the small intestine. And of course, where they are digested is they, they serve as a substrate for the colonocytes um, in the large intestine. And then we have this production of SCF um, uh, from them. Sodium is an essential nutrient involved in the maintenance of normal cellular balance, the regulation of fluid and electrolytes, and your blood pressure. Start your morning right with a refreshing salty tonic of LMNT. It's spring season now, which means I will be enjoying watermelon or grapefruit salt on ice, and it is a fabulous way to balance stress hormones and make sure that I am maximizing my muscle gains. Element T also has a no questions asked refund policy. Try watermelon or any flavor that you want, and if you don't like it, they will refund your money 
no questions asked, and you don't even need to return the box. Head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash Dr. Estima. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And you will get a free LMNT sample pack with any purchase. And so I do think that getting fiber is important. And I've talked about, and we actually are going to be having some uh, carnivore uh, experts on the podcast this year, which I'm really excited about. Um, and there may be some points that we don't fully agree because I, and that's, that's not, I'm, I'm a really big um, proponent of getting a lot of different types of people on the podcast with a lot of a variety of opinions that I don't need to 100% agree with because this isn't like, this show is not going to be cancel culture because I will, I may not agree a hundred percent with what's with, with what someone says, but I am absolutely going to 100% defend their right to say it. And so we're going to be having some carnivore experts on the show to talk about fiber, because it is my understanding, at least right now, that getting some amount of fiber is very important. Um, now, if you are somebody with a Hashimoto's thyroiditis or, um, you know, some people will respond very well clinically to a diet that's completely devoid of carbohydrates, like in the case of those with like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. But generally, um, if you if you don't sort of fall into the, or maybe it's often called SIBO or even CIFO, which is small intestinal fungal overgrowth, um, generally I wouldn't recommend no fiber to, um, to the general population all of the time. I think that having some fiber uh, in the diet promotes microbiome diversity. Um, and you know, it doesn't have to all come from plant foods. Like, you know, I think the argument that maybe someone like Dr. Saladino, who is going to be coming on the show might make is that you don't need to get this from plant foods, right? You can still get some of these, um, some of these like probiotics, let's say that help with the microbiome diversity from fermented foods. And I know that Paul, uh, we'll talk about, we'll talk about this when Paul gets on the show as well, but, um, fermented foods, I know he's a big fan of, I'm a huge fan of fermented foods, not only for their role in the microbiome, but also for the postbiotic signaling, again, um, that is going to signal to our mitochondria to help upregulate mitochondrial biogenesis and to improve the efficiency of our mitochondria um, as well. So really, really uh, chuffed about fiber in the diet, if you will, as the Brits might say, really chuffed about that um, because, and just we'll talk a little bit just about butyrate if I can for a moment longer. Um, butyrate, which is um, found actually abundantly in butter, butyrate and butter, they kind of sound similar to, as well. Um, butyrate promotes the growth of villi, which are these like microscopic, like finger-like extensions that line the intestine and it enhances the production of mucin. So mucin sounds like mucus and that's exactly what it is. It's kind of like this gel-like substance that coats the inside of the gut. And this is actually really, really important because mucin is going to be able, this is like the epithelial defense barrier. This prevents like opportunistic bacteria and viruses and pathogens and toxins and other things, other substances from crossing from the lumen uh, into the bloodstream. So we want a healthy, robust production of mucin. Um, butyrate does many other things, regulates colonic motility, which is like the natural uh, movements of the gut that help move the food through it um, and increases blood flow in the colon. Of course, it also helps with your sleep, 
butyrate helps with your beauty sleep, uh, helps to um, have a proper, you know, in the maintenance, uh, the initiation and the maintenance of sleep as well. So we want some of these, uh, the ketogenic diet, the production of ketones, the production of these postbiotics, um, these are helping to optimize what Dr. Stephen Gundry might call the hormetic curve where there's, you know, it's kind of like the Goldilocks, you know, curve, right? We don't want too little. We don't want too much. We want it just right. So when we're thinking about a therapeutic intervention of ketosis, we have appetite modulation. We have microbiome diversity and gut health as a general uh, as a general uh, benefit to having therapeutic um, to to being in therapeutic ketosis. And then the other thing, of course, is to be able to get used to using fat as a fuel. And I know that there's been some reports, um, and we're going to talk. We're going to do a big deep dive in exercise um, in February. Um, and there's been reports that when you initially go keto, if you're someone who works out regularly, that it can have an impact on strength and power and performance in that adaptation period to the ketogenic diet. And it seems like that is true. It seems like you will likely experience a negative hit uh, initially, at least to your physiological, maybe your cognitive and even your immunological performance because it is a stress to your body. You're basically forcing your body to use another fuel that you're not fully adapted to using. Um, but you can kind of compare that stress to exercise adaptation, right? You can go from like nothing to a new workout. Like if you've ever done, you know, a new weightlifting routine and you know that you're really sore and you might go from like, let's call it zero to 20 minutes of working out and you're going to have an adaptation. And then you can have another adaptation when you go from like 20 minutes of exercise to an hour, right. Of exercise, you're going to be in pain and you're going to be sore just because your body is not used to it. However, and this is a big, however, skeletal muscles, which is just the, you know, muscles in our skeleton, like our, 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 you know, the muscles that we can see right on our skeleton are incredibly adaptable uh, to the process of uh, adapting energy systems um, that are being used, right? So um, in time with the ketogenic diet, your fatty oxid, your, your uh, fatty acid oxidation is going to skyrocket. So you are going to be such an efficient, like using that fuel for substrate. Um, and of course your liver, the ability of your liver to undergo that beta oxidation of those fatty acids and ketone production is also going to skyrocket over time. And there's an interesting study, uh, Dom D'Agostino, uh, who's been on the podcast, uh, I'll link this study, um, in the show notes. Um, the, the study was basically showing that the ketogenic diet does not affect uh, strength and performance in elite artistic um, gymnasts. So um, for sure, when you are first starting, and I, I took this hit as well, didn't feel like I had the endurance, didn't feel like I had the power, didn't feel like I had the strength. But once, once I was adapted to the ketogenic diet, man, could I go for much longer and much harder. So I would say another benefit to um, undergoing a therapeutic intervention of ketosis and becoming fat adapted is going to be the impact, the positive. Well, initially it'll be a negative hit, but once you're adapted. And so for most people, adaptation occurs somewhere around the eight to 12 week mark. Um, 
and you know, I'm, I'm sort of, uh, from I'm, I'm using that number from Finney and Volick, the art and science of low carbohydrate performance. They talk about this idea of like somewhere between eight and 12 weeks for most people, you are going to see an augmented or an improvement in your strength, in your power and in your performance, um, on the ketogenic diet as well. And so we have some of the benefits uh, just kind of in summary around appetite regulation, around microbiome diversity, and around athletic performance. The other thing that I can say clinically, and I don't, um, I don't have any uh, references for this at this moment, but I can tell you that one of the things that my females often will report is that their sleep has never been better, that they have never had such a good quality sleep. Now we can theorize around the mechanisms around that. It may be that, you know, it could just be a healthy user bias in that they are starting to take, they're starting to care more for the foods that they're consuming. And maybe that's, that's having a positive knock-on effect with their sleep hygiene. And maybe that's having another maybe knock-on effect in their, you know, their work working out more or what have you. Um, or it could be that the extra fat that the, uh, that the patient or that the, that the woman is consuming is in some ways allowing for that, um, allowing for a more restful, um, sleep. And so I think that these are all really exciting reasons why you should be trying a therapeutic intervention of ketosis at a very minimum of 28 days. But very likely this is going to be something that you might want to try for one to three months. Um, of course, I outline exactly how to do that in the Betty Body book and in my online program, The Estima Diet. So either one of those is going to give you an exact roadmap on how to do it. Um, but I would say that you can, even before deciding to go ketogenic, you can kind of go low carb ish um, and making sure that you are jacking up your fats, let's say, and then pulling back your carbohydrates uh, and and keeping your protein sort of middle of the road. Um, and then trying to see if you can, if you can extract any benefits from doing that. And then I think once you get past that, then what we're going to talk about next week is we're going to talk about the benefits of cycling keto. And so we're going to talk about this in the context context of females in the context of the thyroid gland, which is a, a, a concern, a metabolic, a gland of, you know, metabolic gland that is of concern in particular of women. We tend to run into a lot more issues with our thyroid through pregnancy, multiple pregnancies, uh, chronic stress, um, unresolved trauma, whether that's physical, chemical, or emotional, uh, we tend to have rates of Hashimoto's thyroiditis at much higher rates than our male counterparts do. So I'm going to talk about the thyroid gland and then why it's important for us to maybe be um, continuing to sensitize, let's say, um, sensitize the body to carbohydrates, because I am not somebody who believes that you should be in ketosis forever. I think that this is actually quite damaging, um, to always be in this kind of, you know, we'll call it, um, I don't want to call it famine mode, but it's almost like when you constantly restrict, one of the things I would see in clinic all the time is constant restriction of carbohydrates, uh, coupled with, you know, sort of this more of orthorexic type of behavior where they're over-exercising and counting calories like crazy. Um, we do tend to see negative outcomes, uh, far more deleterious outcomes 
um, in women where we see raging insulin insensitivity, which you would think is like absolutely contrary to what you might consider. You might be like, wait a minute, I'm not having carbs. Why am I so insulin resistant? Well, it's because you're not having the carbohydrates and you haven't had them for a year, let's say. Um, that you're running into these issues, but a lot of women in their sort of, um, we'll call it panicked state almost in their panicked and, you know, aggressive ways that they're trying to lose weight are overly aggressive in their caloric restriction are overly aggressive. Uh, let's say in their, in their output in the gym, and it's usually the wrong type of output that they're doing in the gym. It's too much cardio, not enough weights. Um, and then there, as I mentioned, the caloric restriction is too aggressive as well, which can cause, um, which can cause some of the issues that we have. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about keto cycling next week and how to do it and what some of the benefits are and what some of the physiological considerations are for women. I hope that you found this useful and I would love to hear if you have decided to have a therapeutic intervention in keto, what it has looked like for you so far. All right. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I must give you the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer here. This podcast better with Dr. Stephanie is for general information only and the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare providers, advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship that has been formed and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. In other words, guys, be smart about this. Take it with a grain of salt. Take this information to your primary healthcare provider and have a discussion with him or her to make the best choice that is for you. Remember, I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. And these conversations are meant for educational purposes only.